Hello and welcome to After the Checkered. It is so good to be Baku to racing. Oh my gosh. I'm Koi. He's Josh. Let's what a dad joke. What a dad joke to open this up. You know what? I kind of respect it. Yeah. I actually do. I, I always like a good dad joke. I wasn't I, expecting it, though. I know. Well, you know, that was that was just sitting there on a platter for me, man. I had to take it. It, it was, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you did, because it, uh, it caught me off guard. I was expecting some in-depth one that I had to think about like you did last week, but no, it was just no. right out there. No, nice, I, easy dad joke this yeah, week. That's what I was thinking about. I thought about it. I wrote it down. I'm like, no, it's, I got to go with the dad joke. Well, I liked it. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm excited that we got some racing coming up. Me some too. Formula One racing. Me too. After three weeks off, super yeah, excited yeah, for this. Yeah, uh, that that long break right at the beginning of the season is always a tough one. So, uh, yeah, back at the uh, the Baku Azerbaijan Grand Prix, nice yep. little street circuit. But we'll yeah. get to that later. Right. Uh, let's talk about the important thing: uh, beers on the podcast. Yeah. What you got? I had, you know, you and I kind of shared a uh, a big deal. Well, we didn't share, and we both well, had one. Right. We didn't share, and we each had one. Yeah. It's not that kind of... We are adults here. We can have our yeah. own beer. Uh, I'm drinking a Montauki cold snack right now because I already finished the big deal brewing, which was delicious, by the way. I do like a Montauki cold snack. Yeah. Uh, did you pack some for this weekend? Uh, Not yet. These are the last two I have in my fridge, so I'll probably get some. Grab some on the way out. I'll get some. Well, I'll bring these big, uh, the big deal brewing. Um, if you don't know what this is, it is from Labatt. It's uh, Spit and Chicklets. Paul Bissonette made a beer, big deal brewing. It's a gold nail. It's pretty good. We'll yep. throw the picture up for the uh, beers and the socials. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, Koi and I kind of had one. We both had one before just to get uh, get a little sample, get things going. But I'm drinking a Modern Brewery Party Supplies Hazy Pale Ale. Oh, Pretty good beer. Yeah. It's well, uh, does, it get the, does it get a like, fruity note to it, like that sort of Hazy Pale Ale does? Has? A little bit, but it's not yeah. overwhelming. Okay. So I like it. It's, oh, it's like good. a mild one. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of those. I got back into I think I've talked about this with beer and me for a long time, but I, I stopped kind of drinking the pale ales for a while after drinking them forever. And the hazy pale ales are what's really gotten me back into it because some are so good. A lot of them have very, are very fruity, but man, they're good. I agree. Every time I think of a pale ale, though, it's, uh, I don't want to get too graphic, but American Pie. How's the pale <laughs> ale, Stifler? If you know what reference I'm talking yep. about, if you we know, don't need you to know. go further into nope. it. But while we're talking about beer, this weekend I text you, I opened up a Goose Island Bourbon County Stout. It was from 2018, so I let it age the full five mm-hmm. years. But it was the wheat wine, or the wheat, was it oh, wheat yeah. wine? Which barley was it? wine? Was it barley wine? No, 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 it was no, the no, wheat was, wine. Yeah, wheat wine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, aged in the bourbon barrels. And I gotta say, I was pretty disappointed with letting it age. I think if you're deviating away from the actual stouts and you do like their ales, it's better to drink those quick. The stouts, I think they get better as you age them. But the, the, that ale one, it, it was... I don't know. It had like a sharp flavor to it. Some yeah. people like that. I wasn't really a fan of it. Also, the ABV definitely increased on in it, and I got kind of bombed off with just one beer. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah. you, you drank one of the podcasts. <laughs> you know what it's like. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when you let any of those those age like that. I've had a I had one of the Earl Grey tea stouts that they had put out a few years ago, and I, I drank it. A, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and it was it it had a note to it. It was still really good. And the, the ABV had definitely increased. But, yeah, exactly what you're talking about. But, I mean, yeah, you've got a wheat wine. That's total, That's total different. Yeah, so there. if anybody's sitting on one of those, I think they did those for a few years. I'd recommend opening those sooner than later. Yeah, um, yeah, they did do them for – I don't I, know if they do them anymore, but they did them for a few years. I still have one of those Earl Grey uh, tea ones. Is that what they were? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have one that I've been aging. I'll, I'll make sure to open that one sooner than, than later, not let it age too long. Yeah, 
yeah, hopefully, maybe yours will be better than mine. I don't know. I was, and it was, it's a weird, it's kind of a funky variant anyways, you know? Yeah, that was one that when I bought it, I was unsure of it, but I was like, yeah, I'll try it. And I was surprised by it. Same and with then, me. And then there's some too, like the, uh, what was the one that they did, the cola one? I thought it was going to be really good and it just wasn't my thing. No, yeah, same with me. It, it was, was just okay. very, it was very eh. Um, they it, still have those at the gas station up here if you want to yeah, get one of them. It, um... If I could describe it, this is going to sound weird. It's got a sticky flavor to it. No, Does that make absolutely. Sense? Absolutely. Did you ever try the Strange Donut Stout? That yes. Beforehand? It reminded me of that. It Strange Donut Stout had a, had a weird sort of, it was good, well, but it well, had which a one? flavor. Because there was the blue label and the black the blue, label. The blue okay, label. The black the label was really good. Okay. The blue label is the only one I had. Okay. Yeah. The blue label one, I thought there was a lot uh, left to be desired. But the black label one was very good. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to Forehands and got they only had the blue label left and they gave me a free donut. What kind of donut was was it? Strange. Uh, we're gonna. It was vanilla sprinkles. It actually was very plain. It was very so, very. So similar. it was not strange. It was not a strange. Oh. But I mean, it was made by strange donuts. But it's not a strange donut. Seems like a miss to me. Yeah, it should have been like exactly. Yeah, like why not make like a beer donut or something? Like you're you're talking about like a filling that's just beer. So like you bite into a. a glazed donut but yeah it's just got beer on the inside well what about like a, yeah well, what about like a jelly fill but like the jelly is like a stout jelly that sounds disgusting yeah it would be pretty that'd gross, be horrible probably. probably gross what if it was no you know, you know what? what you no. know what the the vanilla with sprinkles probably you know what? probably maybe, all we're going not with. strange maybe a good yeah. idea yeah you're right i mean although i will say if you ever have their make maple bacon yes donut, it is so good it's Perfect. fantastic. Yeah. Usually every year on my birthday, my wife goes and gets those for me and gets me one because you know you have like one a year and you're it, right it increases yeah. your percentages of having a heart attack by like twelve yeah. percent. It's like oh, you want diabetes? Diabetes. Wilford Brimley shows up at your front door. <laughs> yeah. No, we get it. We get it about once a year too. Uh, we always get the maple bacon. They had a surge donut one time. Yeah. Like the soda surge. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Not. Not like you'd think. Not as good as it sounds. Listen, I like Strange Donut has some cool concepts, but a Surge Donut, that's that's right up there with the Stout Jelly. That's a terrible yeah, idea. It was, I mean, they made the icing out of like Surge, and it had like that sort of lemon limey sort of flavor to it. It wasn't. Well, I guess if terrible. you wanted to stay up for two days, that's a good, right. you know, and you don't want to do blow. Right, have, exactly. Have a surge yeah, donut. Just, yeah, just have Surge. All right. I think. I think we've just we've covered a lot of yeah beer we're talk off the right rails there. that's we're okay the rails. That, that, that's we, how we, we usually did like go. five minutes on donuts it was beer donuts yeah, it was beer donuts kind of beer true. donuts you know you can do beer batter donuts maybe that's ah uh-huh, maybe that's the money maker all right okay. I don't know I don't know enough about if that would work though neither do I but if we have any donut makers that follow this let us know how it goes and then yeah well you know, you're I welcome bread, if it's good. I did bread for a while I could probably do some donuts like stout donuts. Just no stout jelly. Let's just reiterate yeah. that. I just have to work at it. I bet it'd be good. All right, we're we're going to leave We're gonna leave this topic right now. Let's get over to some racing stuff. Charles Leclerc, he has a new single out, musical single, and he's top 10 on the iTunes downloads. I heard that. I So it like showed up on my ESP, like my ESPN uh, notifications came up today, and I tried to put it on, and I think I was probably like every other American who got that tried to put it on that likes Formula One, and it didn't work. So I have not listened to it yet. Have you? I haven't either. I saw that today when I was working, and I was like, oh, boy. Now, do you remember when Vin Diesel dropped that single? Yeah. And it was actually kind of a banger. Yeah. 
I mean, it was highly auto-tuned. And oh, yeah. I think, uh, of course it was. Who was the DJ that, that produced it? I mean, did a killer uh, job with it. It's a big DJ. Yeah. Um, oh, man. What was that guy's name? Well, it was the song. It's called, like, uh, was it Feels Like I Do? I think is the name of the song. Yeah. Anyway, it ended up being a sneaky good song. But I, I'm wondering if it's going to be along those lines or if it's better or worse. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't. I mean, my guess is it's probably, you know, for a more European audience, it's probably a little. Yeah, it was feels like I, that was from 2020. Oh, it was a long time ago. That's not that long. That's not that long ago. Oh, it, it feels like, like a long time ago. That's because you don't feel like I do. Oh, man. <laughs> This guy's oh, it's Kygo. Yeah. Kygo. Yeah, I knew it was a big oh, DJ. Yeah. I don't think I heard that song. I thought you were talking about something a little older than that. I think I was thinking of something else. Well, I know what the song on the ride down to Louisville is going to be. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're going to go. Yeah, I mean, I like Kygo. I'm not big into the EDM or whatever the hell that music is called scene, but I like Kygo. He's good. I'm sure there's plenty of guys on the team that after their uh, festivities Friday and Saturday night, they're really into EDM. I'm sure they will be. We are going to leave it at that. All right, so uh, we have been teasing at, well, I, I guess I should ask you, anything else you want to talk about with uh, Charles' uh, music career? Charles, uh, no, not until I hear it. I'm disappointed that he didn't do like a stage name and didn't go with Chuck LeClerc. Yeah. Although, but that would need to be like a Bob Seger type rock. Yeah, He's gonna Chuck, go Chuck LeClerc. LeClerc. Yeah. Chuck LeClerc definitely puts out like a, you know. Like Southern rock. He does Southern rock. And he sings about beer, and, and it's yeah, it's very, it's it's way more Leonard Skinner than Kygo. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Agree. That's not even a word. Agreer. What did it's I just say? Anyway, agree. Mm-hmm. That's the party supplies talking over here. The oh beer, yeah, not the actual party supplies. Two in. It's only gonna get only downhill from here, folks. It means it's gonna get better. Oh, it'll get a lot better. Well, for racing, we are going to get into the uh, Baku-Azerbaijan Grand Prix later. But first, we've kind of been talking about how we're going to go into Crashgate and talk about mm-hmm. Crashgate. We figured this was probably a good good time to talk about it. Last week, I wasn't feeling feeling great, so we did it remote. We kind of wanted to do this one in person. So here we are, back, in person, live, kind of live, sort no, of live. live. I mean, we're live. I mean, it's you yeah, and me. But when, but when, when people they listen, listen to it, to it, it, it not will not be live. Be live. No. You might be confusing Kevin because if we say it's live yeah, and he's listening to it, right. he might think that it's actually live. Kevin is like uh, he's like Zoolander, and he's like the files in, are in the in computer. The computer? How'd you guys get on the radio? <laughs> are you guys not in my car? Yeah. Uh, all right. So, well, how do we want to jump into Crash Game? So, um, I guess a little bit of backstory here. This yeah. is a topic that we've been wanting to talk about, and I know the backstory on Crashgate from when it happened. Mm-hmm. Now. When this kind of the new news broke on it, Coy had said, hold off on reading anything that you can, because just to try to have a more natural reaction, I'm going to hear a lot of this stuff live from you guys. It has been difficult for me to like avoid these articles in the news, but I've done a pretty good job of it. So as Coy gets into like the more modern news of it and maybe some yep. details that I skimmed over from when Crashgate actually happened, it might be a little bit more of a natu- natural reaction. So I'll turn it over to you and let, let you take it away for a little bit. All right, so set this kind of up. We got to go back. And the reason we're talking about this is some of the modern news that has come out, but also it's a fun sort of way to look back at some of the crazy stuff that's happened in F1. Especially like mid-2000s F1, there's a lot of really insane stuff that went on in the sport. 
There was a giant spy scandal where one team was stealing information from another. You had Lewis Hamilton lying to stewards. You have, and you have this. And this story takes place 2008 Singapore Grand Prix. But we can't start there, so we'll go back a little bit further. First, we'll start with the main beneficiary of the story, Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso starts his career 2000 with Minardi. And in 2002, Renault buys the Benetton Formula One team. They, in buying them, they bring on Flavio Briatore, who has had a, a history in Formula One. He was, I think he was at Benetton for a while there too. 2005, 2006, Renault wins uh, the World Drivers' Championships with Fernando Alonso. Very good cars, dominant cars. Alonso leaves, goes to McLaren for one season. Which and I get like I think too about doing a pod like how fun it would have been to do a podcast in this period of time. He goes to McLaren for one season. They, he and Lewis Hamilton and Kimi Räikkönen fight out one of the closest title battles that we've ever seen. Räikkönen ends up winning in the very last race. Rookie Lewis Hamilton first year. Skip ahead one year, so two thousand eight. Alonso sees that you know. Their, McLaren's going to start putting all of their resources into Hamilton, and and he he he. So he goes back to Renault, and that's sort of when this all takes place. So Renault are you know they'd taken out like I said earlier they'd taken over from Benetton. They were a works team based out of out of France, obviously the Renault car company. The team principal Flavio Briatore is a your quintessential like Italian guy. He's got, you know, he's on the grid with three shirts unbuttoned. <laughs> three, he's, three shirts or unbuttoned? three buttons unbuttoned. <laughs> he's not wearing multiple shirts. How many he's beers did three, he have? Yeah, he's got three hey, buttons down on his shirt. Three shirts unbuttoned. He's got, he's got his silver hair slicked back. You know, the kids used to wear the uh, the double polos with the pop collars. Maybe that's what he was doing. Do you want, do you he was ahead that? of his time. Do you want to know something? You did that? I did that. I knew you did that. It was pink. Oh, you gotta have like the '80s colors, like a pink uh, and probably dude, a white one, or maybe yeah. a teal. I had a, I had a, a watermelon with a blue. Oh, that that shirt, that shirt got the. That All right. The, yeah, we're not gonna go any further. Speaking yeah. of crash game. so yeah, um, so you've got Flavio Briatore as your team principal. You got Fernando Alonso. That same year, his rookie teammate Nelson Piquet Jr. comes into the team. I also want to mention, just as it'll pertain down the line, Pat Simmons is the executive engineer for Renault. So 2008, Renault is kind of a mid-pack team. They're not really doing well. They had one, um, leading into this Grand Prix, they had one podium, and it was Nelson Piquet Jr., not Fernando Alonso. But they got that podium when a very well-timed crash led to a safety car in Germany. And so PK finishes second. So we go, now we're kind of, there's a backstory leading into the Singapore Grand Prix of that year, which was the, I think the 15th race of the well, season. There was, there was, how many races did they do? Because there was four races Yeah, they, left, they did right? 18, I think they did 18 races that year. I want to make sure that I get this well, right because I, I did not write this down in the notes. I think there but, was four races left after that race. I think that that's right. Or maybe four, including that one before they raced it. So I feel like I feel like that's right. I just want to make sure. Let me check because I, I, I thought I had it down as the. Um, 
so Singapore, yeah, Singapore was the fifteenth Grand Prix yeah, of the 15. year. So, so yeah, Sorry. well, there was three races left after that. Well, it was, was Japan, China, Brazil. After Sorry, that. I was saying that before they raced oh. it, there was four races oh. left. With that being the fifteenth, yes. that was a, a misleading on my part. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. So leading into that race, just kind of a little bit of what happened that weekend. Alonso had a really fast car. This is the first race, by the way. This is the first race at Singapore. First night race in Formula One history, too. Alonso had a really fast car. Fast in FP1, fast in FP2. Has a engine failure in qualifying. Ends up starting 15th. Nelson Piquet Jr. starts 16th right next to him. So the race starts. Alonso, again, you know, gains a couple positions. Lap 12. He starts, though, and this was this is another thing kind of to adjust. This is during the time of refueling. I was just going to bring that up to make sure you, yeah. you, you cover that This is during part. the time of refueling. So you would have, and I really wish they'd bring this back, because you would have cars start, some cars might start in a light load, some start in a heavy load, and they'd go deep. Most cars start in a very heavy fuel load and went deep into the race, and then they pitted and brought on new tires, and, and they... They would go and they would shoot for a. They would was, take it. They would take a NASCAR approach. Exactly. Then that was the same. Uh, that was, you'd see kind of the same strategy now. You go long first stint and you had to change tire compounds too. So, Alonso pits lap twelve, comes out light fuel load, made a couple passes, and comes in immediately lap twelve. Comes back out, you know, still sort of back of the pack, and then. Lap 17 rolls around, and Nelson Piquet Jr. crashes in turn 14. And he also he, crashed in a very inconspicuous way. Like, it was... Yeah. Or not inconspicuous. Suspect way is what I'm thinking. Well, of. not only was it suspect, but it was also suspect in that there was no crane at that corner. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it yeah. was like a... Per- I mean, it's the perfect... Right. It was a perfect I'll, storm. I'm going to let you keep going. Yeah, it was, a, it was a perfect storm because... At that time too, now when we're, and it's so, what's really interesting and like, as I was going back and reading about this is like how different Formula One is now. Like now, like back then they would have, if you crashed at a corner, they would pull, they'd bring out a crane. You maybe see a safety car. And a lot of this is in response to what happened with Jules Bianchi, which obviously but they bring out a safety car. Maybe, maybe they just wave local yellows and they'd bring a crane out onto the track, lift the car off and take it off. While, while it was still going. You wouldn't see as many safety cars as we see now. So, PK crashes, turn 14. Safety car comes out. Alonzo just pitted. He's on full fuel load now. He can go to the end. And on brand new tires. The safety car How rules... How convenient. Exactly. How the convenient. safety car rules in 2008 were also different. So in 2008, the safety car rules were very NASCAR-like, where by you could not the pits were closed immediately, and you could not pit until the field is stacked up. So now everybody goes into the pits. He moves well, up. Front. He he moves up. He didn't move to the front. Well, there were still some moves cold, up this, very yeah. well. He moves up. Yeah, he moved up a lot. There were still like three or four cars in front of him, and as they continue to go on, those cars pull out ahead of him, but. He, no, it, you know, Singapore is a very tight track. Not a lot of passing opportunities. And those cars pulled ahead because they're on lighter fuel. Right. So they're they on that right. lighter weight. Right. I want to clarify that. So those cars pull ahead of him, but they still haven't stopped. He stopped. And he, there were some cars behind him that had stopped early too. Well, now those cars that stopped on the 
at the safety car there behind Alonso and those cars, and it's hard to get around him. So as the, the car's in front of him pit, Alonso sits in the catbird seat, and he ends up holding off uh, Nico Rosberg and... Lewis, or Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. Yeah, Nico Rosberg was second. Sorry. Nico for second. Hamilton finished third. Ends up holding them off. He wins the race. Little sidebar to this. Felipe Massa. Felipe Massa had to serve a penalty early in the race due to an unsafe release when he came out. Of, and this is, you know, why maybe this is part of why they don't do refueling anymore. He came out of the pits with his fuel hose attached to the car. So listen, IndyCar does it and they're just fine. Right. Grow right. up. They do it. Peter Pan. They do it. Um, so as a result of the race, and this is this is all stuff we'll discuss for or later, Hamilton increases lead on Massa in the driver standings. He gains he gained six points that race, Massa gained none because of the penalty. I think he ended up finishing thirteenth. Uh, Renault jumped to fourth in the constructor standings and that's it. That's, that's the race. And the race ends. Everything is hunky dory. Everybody's fine. And nobody's really talking about it. But is it until the very next year, 2009, you go 10 races into the year. Nelson PK has not scored any points. Fernando Alonso had, you know, it only well, scored. Hold on, few, did you cover okay. how the 2008 season ended? Oh, so yeah. yeah so so yeah, I guess I should jump. No, yeah. I, yeah, I was going to cover that later, but yeah, I, I guess this is probably good. So the 2008 season ends at Brazil with Felipe Massa winning his home track. And actually, I, I should say too, Fernando Alonso won the next race the very next week at, at Japan. But the 2008 season ends with Felipe Massa winning, but Lewis Hamilton finishing fifth, making a pass in the last couple laps that won him the driver's championship. Driver's championship. So. And it was a really, yeah, it was a really dramatic thing. That's a good point. I probably should have put that in there. But, That's okay. That's what so I'm here ne- for. Yeah, it is. Teamwork, buddy. So next season, 10 races into the year, Nelson Piquet hasn't scored a point. Briatore says, you know what? We're going to drop you. He loses his seat to Romain Grosjean. Rogro. Rogro. This is Rogro's first little foray into Formula 1. So this is one thing that uh, I just want to jump in. Coy was talking about when we've been talking about Crashgate, is just like how many like different modern impacts this yeah. has had on Formula One. So like Romain Grosjean gets a job in Formula One basically because of this, or right. as a as a result of this. Right, and you've got little, and there, you know, and like I said, Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton finished second and third in this race. There's little things and little. This has little strings that still run out into the run into uh, run into today's Formula One. And I think it's I think it's one of those stories too that I know that Drive to Survive brought a lot of fans to the sport and they don't know about some of this stuff. And it's some of the stuff that, you know, some of these history stories and that's kind of one of the things I think, you know, like throughout the year or whenever when we've got downtime like a, an off week or something, I think it'd be cool to tell some of these stories. Because it's part of the fun of watching Formula One is knowing like, you know, some stuff that came i'm a history guy so i love i love you know well i think people are hooked to drive to survive and have got into formula one because of the drama right and And i think if you just go out and you watch the races and you don't follow like the media the aftermath you don't get the drama so that's where drive to survive brings people in they it it adds that drama whether it's real or or get that hollywood additive to it absolutely but it, it creates the drama form and that's why people like it right and this is drama there is so this much. Is, this is a soap opera. But but also at the time when this was happening, though, I just want to say that most 
like even hardcore fans are like, ah, well, they wrecked. Kind of <laughs> right. had an impact. Like there was a lot of after the fact drama that we didn't know about that like that was going on that none of us were aware of until oh, yeah, you know, I watched that race. I watched right. that Singapore race, and I didn't. I mean, I just thought, oh well, PK is a rookie driver. And really, what happens is he comes out of turn fourteen, and then he just guns the engine and spins it around right. and puts it on the inside wall. Totally, you know, totally junks his car, but that you just see like, okay, well, that's just an inexperienced driver. He did a good job, and that was his job. So as we get so into this. We'll continue on. Yeah. So PK, not happy about being dropped. And then honestly, I mean, I, I think it was a little unfair. The car was pretty bad. He'd only, he had scored no points through 10 races, and Alonso had only scored 13. But suddenly a Brazilian TV station announces that PK, they have information that PK was ordered to crash in that race. And so, so here's one thing that I want to talk about before we go forward. If you are the team principal or the team owner of Renault at the time, Mm -hmm. that is not enough. Like, have you never watched law and order or any drama TV? That is not enough time to be able to fire somebody and not know that they could just go whistleblow on your whole operation. Right. Like, just not smart. Exactly. Well, I mean, the whole thing yeah. was not smart. But if no. you're going to try to con the system, and I'm getting out of myself, waiting, what is it, six months? Yeah, I mean, well, it would, have been, it would have been, yeah, I mean, it would have been more than that because it would have been one whole, I mean, it was the next season, well, no, but, it was, so it was, but it wasn't the, all the way into the season. So, yeah, I mean, like, let's say eight months. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't like that this has been years down the road that you let the guy go and you think that ah, it's all going to be okay. I mean, right. this is still fresh to him. Right. All right, sorry, so, keep going. No, so PK, it, it, this Brazilian TV station announces it, and really what you're seeing there, PK, Nelson PK and Nelson PK Jr. are, I keep referring to him PK, as PK, I need to refer to him as PK Jr. PK, they're Brazilian, so that's their home country. And we all know Nelson PK is yeah. great behind the mic, yeah. senior. So a few weeks later, the an official transcript from an FIA interview, and there and there was two transcripts that got leaked from the investigation because immediately after after Brazil after this Brazilian TV station announced this, the FIA says we're launching an investigation of this, and I think it's one of those things where it had kind of gone around the grid, and if you were in the know, and if you were there, you might have suspected something, but as an American fan, where we had so little, so little, you know, sort of exposure to Formula One. At the time, I didn't. So I've got, this is a parts of a bit of the transcript. And I'm going to do, I'm not going to try to do a Brazilian accent because honestly. Thank God. I don't even know what that is. But After so I'm going to. the gonna, Aussie intro. This oh is. Boy. <laughs> I might. <laughs> oh, no, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, tra- this is a bit of a piece of the transcript from, this is, I'm, I'm speaking as Nelson PK and what he said. I could see they were nervous. The room was hot and very tense. I was quite surprised because Flavio, Briatore, is a very assured guy and I would not seen him like that. Simmons, Pat Simmons, started talking first. Look, both cars are at the back of the grid, he told me. We are in a situation where we are not going to get anywhere in this race unless something extraordinary happens. Flavio agreed with him. It would be a disaster for the team unless something extraordinary happened. I just sat there listening because I couldn't figure out where this was going. They were both fidgety and the situation was incredibly tense. I don't think I said a word by this point. It was only after five minutes that Flavio made his pitch. 
Look, the only way we can benefit in any way out here is by getting a safety car on the course at the right moment, he said. I just sat there looking at them. They both reminded me of what happened in Germany when someone, that someone was Timo Glock, had crashed after I had pitted and I came in second in that race. Do you want to help the team, Flavio said? If you crash at the right moment, it could create, it could change everything. That's a direct transcript from what was said, what PK gave in his interview with the FIA. That's, I mean, that's like smoking gun. That's damn right. So, yeah. did they ever like, were they ever ever able to confirm that that conversation happened? Well, like, oh, oh so, yeah. Okay. So yeah. we're gonna get so, to. So yeah, okay. I'll, I'll get to. I'll get so to some of I, this. I guess I should have asked. Answer. Yeah, I know the answer to that question. Yeah. I just want to make sure you weren't gonna leave it at that. No, no, no. I, I definitely have a little more because then, then, so that that transcript gets leaked, and then actually, like I said, there were two of them that were leaked, and they were leaked by a couple different. Uh, fan sites actually that that were putting this information out there so Renault immediately like in a you know sort of cover your ass situation they announced they're gonna they pursue crime PR exactly they announced they're gonna try to pursue charges against uh, Nelson PK and Nelson PK jr for blackmail well so then it starts then then the stuff starts to, to slowly trickle out uh, we find out later that the FIA offered Pat Simmons immunity in exchange for the information uh, for details about the controversy. And he points the finger at PK Jr. and says it was his idea. Oh, dang. Yeah. The big thing we don't know ever, and I want to put this here and I want to talk about this. We don't ever really know if Fernando Alonso knew. I got to feel like he did. Well, and I, but I, I don't, I don't want to make assumptions yeah. though, because sometimes if, you know, if you have, I don't know, a very stand-up person, and you're like, listen, if it's better if he just doesn't know. Right. But I guess the big question is, when they had him pit and then come back in, was he was he pissed? Was well, he like, what are we doing? So like, that's... There's like a... What is it like in a hotel in like Vegas casinos? Yeah. That if you win a jackpot, like they read your emotions and like and like your body right. temperature and all that stuff and like, oh, this is like a natural like reaction to a win. But right. if like you're actually... Like your heart rate hasn't increased, you knew you were going to win. They know you cheated. Yeah. So, and that's, and that's kind of what I was thinking about this. So he was eventually cleared of all wrongdoing and has been, and has always denied that he had any, any knowledge whatsoever. Hold, of this. hold on. Did I just make that stuff about Vegas or is that I don't real? Know, is that is real? It, I, I believe like, it. I, that I sounds like, totally. I, think, I feel like it was in a movie, but I like, I don't like deny that it, like, I feel like it's got to happen. Honestly, you did a great job with it. I bought it. Like to me, I feel that like I probably saw it in a movie happens. somewhere. I can't remember what movie, but like it's gotta that, happen. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I've never, they I got mean, enough cameras. Yeah, have is to. that in one of the oceans movies? That's probably one. that would I probably be. I it. haven't seen the second and third one. I never saw thir- twelve and thirteen. I mean, they're okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. The OG like, is the best. I'm not really missing anything. Well, the OG reboot is the best. Um, I think thirteen's yeah. better. Uh, twelve wasn't that great, but yeah. they all tie together. Yeah, I'm sure. But it, you know what? I'm sure it was that movie. I was thinking that, or because no, I would have been way too old. Um, yeah, it wasn't. What was that movie? Was it movie about the 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 MIT kid? Was it MIT? Uh, you know what? That could be. That I Is think that it? it was. I think I I know I know the movie you're talking about. I saw that movie. It was a great. Anyway, movie. if anybody knows if they actually have that or not, yeah. that's completely like a fabrication. Anyway, I feel like I saw that in a movie and I was like, that's no, gotta be real. If only Google were a thing. I'm not gonna Google it right now. It's a lot of work. I got a beer <laughs> so, in my hand. Yeah. So. The the one thing I, I will say though is a little odd, is he didn't they you know the FIA and they're out there if you want to find them you can find the transcripts from the radio that race, and Alonso didn't raise any questions about starting on an incredibly light fuel load and pitting on lap twelve. 
which in that space in that time period would have been very odd for any team it would to have do. been very odd if it was a rookie i could see them saying like yeah all right they just want to test something right. out with me but like right. a, a pretty seasoned driver at that point because right. like i mean he's two-time world champion right. at that point right somebody who should know the car better than anybody right yeah he's a two-time okay. world champion and and almost won a third one but so that's the only thing with him so now the FIA and Formula One is in full, you know, they're full on. The FIA calls a meeting of the World Motorsports Council and Flavio Briatore gets banned from Formula One and really any FIA event for life. For Pat- wearing three shirts to a freaking race day. <laughs> yeah. So Pat Simmons banned for five years. Renault was banned for two years, but it's suspended sentence, which basically mean, basically means... They could operate, which they continued, and they still operate in Formula One now, just under the Alpine name. Um, they could operate for two years and basically keep your nose clean, you're good to go. And and that's really what they did. So the other big thing, at the time, their lead sponsor was ING, which I believe is a Dutch investing company. And I'm pretty sure it's a financial company of some sort. I don't know a ton about it, but they... ING said, we don't want to be associated with any team that cheats like this. And middle of the season, they pulled all their funding and they left. And the cars went from having this cool little lion on them to just saying Renault in weird spaces. So if you ever watch something back from like 2009, that's when you're, that's why. The, the livery goes, it looks goofy all of a sudden. That's why. All their sponsors. They went from like having, you know, like now where you'd have a sponsor on the side pod and and then one up on the engine, on the uh, on the air, air so box. kind of like what we saw with Haas last year. Right. Yeah, we're all, exactly. Yeah, where suddenly you see the, the, the sponsorships just disappear. So ING leaves the team terrible. I mean, they, and, and not only ING, but like I said, all their sponsors. So that, that's a huge hit. So that's like smoking gun number two. Right. So at this point, I mean, they basically know what happened. Renault ends up dropping their criminal chart, their criminal... Uh, pursuit of charges against the PKs. Um, they kind of admitted, you know, everything. everybody admitted that it had happened. Briatore appeals his suspension in French court. The French court overturns it, but he's never worked in Formula One since. He's, he's not had a job right. in the FIA since. Pat Simmons, however, has. Pat Simmons went on to work. He he was suspended for I think he over I think he appealed his, but he ended up kind of holding it. He was a a technical advisor consultant for the now defunct Virgin Racing team, and then he was a chief technical officer for Williams from 2013 to 2016. He is now the chief technical officer for Formula One. What is your report, uh, Michael? <laughs> he was now he's at the he's at the top. So, you know, why why do we bring this up? Like we said, there are some some tendrils that still factor kind of kind of reach out into that. That's a that's a good Scrabble word. Yeah. Oh yeah, tendrils is a good word. I'm, I, lo- I love Scrabble, man. Big I'm Scrabble not surprised. Player. Let's not even go into that. Yeah. Um, the laws of Formula One state. That if a race is fixed, they find out the outcome was manipulated anyway, that race is canceled. No go. That race didn't exist, basically. That's the way that the laws of Formula 1 worked at the time. They work that way now. Bernie Ecclestone in the last few years has admitted, and actually this year is I think when he, he came out and admitted, that 
that race should have been canceled. I think you're missing a big part. And and if um, did you talk about how Renault basically filed a what was it? Um, I'm a little loss of words. They basically filed like a counter against the allegations, and then they just threw them out randomly. So it, well, it wasn't against the PKs. It was like um, what is it when you when you like dispute? It was like a, a, a formal dispute against the the charges brought against them. Yeah, and that's yeah, and they well, then they did. They appealed all that stuff. They but, appealed it, but oh, that's what it is. And then they just dropped the appeals. Yeah. Like out of nowhere, they just like yeah. dropped all the appeals. Yeah, they dropped. And everyone was like, and that's where this is weird. Yeah, and, that, and I guess I just didn't mention that was coming out of the World Motorsports Council where they had said, yeah. okay, we're going to suspend you from Formula One for two years, or we're going to sus- ban you from Formula One, but suspend the sentence. Right, and they were appealing it, right. and then they were set to go and have like their day in court with it. Mm-hmm. And then they just dropped yeah, it. Like, they dropped it. No, off. no right. statement, nothing. They just dropped it. Yeah. And I left that. I left a lot of that stuff out. I well, left a lot I, of the little legal so stuff out of there, but you're I right. I don't think that's a little thing because that's just like uh yeah. Holy shit. Did something just click? And they're like, we're done. Like yeah. if we push this further that to me, it's like if they they saw, if we go into this in deeper, deeper legal issues, and like legal battles, mm-hmm. they're going to find other things. So let's just take our losses right. and walk away. Right. And I think too, I think you've got Bernie Ecclestone, who's, who was at the time the head of Formula One and Max Mosley, who were the head, was at the time the head of the FIA are probably saying, we don't really want to go further into this. And I think the reason why is what we're going to, what I'm about to talk about. All right. So we'll go back to where you so were back just at, to, yeah back to modern day no, no no that that's good we needed to talk about that you're right because that was a big part of it and back to so just kind of talking about the the legal acts the legal in the form of the sport so like i said if that race should have been canceled so if that race gets canceled hamilton doesn't earn six points massa you know massa earned no points hamilton won the title that year by less than six points so massa would have been the champion Bernie Eccleston this year in an interview admitted that he feels bad for Felipe Massa and he feels like he was robbed of a championship. And, and he was robbed of a moment at his home track. Felipe Massa grew up like right across the street from Inter Yagos in Brazil. What, what a moment that would have been to have a Brazilian driver driving for Ferrari, winning a championship in front of his home fans. You know, what a moment. But... The thing, the rule was that Max Mosley and Bernie Ecclestone agreed on was basically if a World Drivers Championship is awarded, you never take it away. So Hamilton had been awarded the championship, so they never felt like they should have. They were never going to take it away from him because they just felt like that was that would have been such a scandal and such a black mark on the sport that it would have been worse than this cheating scandal. It would have made it it would have called into credibility if you're well, taking away world drivers championships. So I think I know where you're going with this where and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess you're saying that Massa should have had the championship. Yeah, I mean So the the big thing is if that was the last race of the year, I would hundred percent side with you and say they should, you know, close the door. This is a slam dunk case. Give them the championship. But when there's still three races left and the race is that tight, it changes strategies. It changes a whole bunch of things that we don't have an impact on. I mean, if that race gets thrown out the day after and everybody knows that Hamilton's team is like, hey, we we don't get those six points, we have to be super aggressive now. You're right. It, it, it right. could change a lot. So that's just right. like one of my arguments to well, why I don't 
know that it would actually be overturned. Right, and Hamilton was super aggressive, made a mistake at, at Interlagos that ended up, you know, and he yeah. ended up bouncing back well, from that. But It changes yeah. everybody's perception, right. though. Like, sure. It changes your whole strategy. And ultimately, you know, ultimately, I don't know that I disagree with taking away World Drivers' Championships. I don't, you know, I mean, and especially awarding one to Massa, who has mentioned that he would be open to pursuing this in court. You know, awarding one to Massa because of something that was totally unrelated to him, especially because Ferrari was, well, Ferrari that race and left the freaking hose in. You know, does he deserve it? I mean, technically he did. He should have won it. I mean, you know, because that race should not have counted after all the stuff that we found out. But we didn't find it out. If we would have found it out two weeks after Singapore. Right. Three weeks, or even maybe like in the summer or in the winter after. Before the next season started, right. I yeah. could see it. I don't think that ultimately, ultimately, I don't think anything will ever come of it. Maybe. I mean, I, like I said, so, I know that when Bernie said that, that kind of triggered Massa to say. So, so here's gonna... here's my next Exhibit B sure. of why that even if it gets pursued, that Formula One will do everything in its power to not let that get overturned. Let's go back to the Lewis Hamilton Max Verstappen race a few years ago. Yep. Last race of the season, that rule is still in place that mm-hmm. if a if a race is manipulated or cheated, keyword manipulated, mm-hmm. that it gets thrown out. Right. I don't think that Formula One wants to go back and revisit that. Now, that being said, going into that race, uh, Hamilton and Verstappen were actually tied for points, and I think the yeah. tiebreaker would have still gone to Max. But I don't think Formula yeah. One wants to go back and say, you know what. Back in 2008, this race was manipulated, cheated. We're going to undo it. Now we got to go back and we manipulated a race outcome at the end of this. I don't think they want that stain on their face. So, right. That's just my, those are my two, no, sure. my two reasons why I don't think anything will come of this. I, yeah, I ultimately don't think it will either. I think, I think it's an interesting story. I think it's a really, you know, like I said, it's one of those sort of like, like the Black Sox scandal in baseball. Or something similar to that, where you have you know teams actually manipulating things with races to win, and it's what's weird too is that it's not a team that was competing for a championship that year, you know, it was a team that, and honestly, I kind of wonder, you know, they had been really bad up until that year, or up until that race that year, and all of a sudden they win two races. I kind of wonder if they were maybe doing something funky with the engine anyways i mean singapore is a is a really tight track that demands a lot of downforce and so is japan but hey what did you always say about nascar uh um crew chiefs it's my job to make the car as fast as possible it's nascar's job to tell me it's wrong right well i mean you know i always and i i love charles and those wins that he had in let's see would have been 2019 at monza and spa Ultimately, I mean, Ferrari kind of got a slap on the wrist, but it was an under-the-table slap. Ultimately, Ferrari was playing games with the fuel lines during those races and and the fuel flow sensors, Yeah, which, you know. So I guess just back to my, my final point about it, though, is that I think that there's too much at stake and too much at risk for Formula One to tarnish their reputation. Right. That they're going to do everything they can to not let this happen. And it sounds like, you know, Moss is like, yeah, I might pursue legal action, but honestly, 
is he actually going to do it? It just it doesn't sound like no. a motivated person. And if he comes out and says, "Yeah, I might," like that doesn't sound like a person. Like usually, if they're going to do it, they're not going to say anything at all. Right. They want to catch people right. off guard, right? Um, so yeah. him and saying that he's, I don't know, I, I just can't. Who and who knows? Maybe he will, and we might see a huge scandal and Drive to Survival get to cover this scandal a little bit. Yeah, this would be like a Dateline episode. For oh my gosh, this would this would be its own documentary for it. It really would, and and I would love to watch a documentary about this whole thing because I'm sure that there there's a lot more information. Like get an actual investigative journalist to dig into this. I'm sure there's a lot more that we don't know. We could be those journalists. We could be. Anybody wants to invest in our? I just gotta. Project? I just gotta get to Flavio. For his three shirts. Flavio Briatori. That guy was like, dude, that guy was like dating. He was like an F1 team principal. He'd be like banging supermodels like on the side. How old is he right now? He's is he in, still alive? He, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, he's in his, I, want, I don't know 100%. I can look it up, obviously. but Just start wearing your triple polos and he'll probably come calling. It's like the back I mean, call. I want to say he's 70s. Yeah, you wear those and shoots a spotlight he's 70, up in, he's in the 73. sky with three polos on, and he comes running. I mean, he's like, I mean, look at this guy. Like when I said Flavio Briatore, if that's not the image that kind of popped into your head, like a an older guy, and that's and this is, is like, a, is that a current picture? Yeah, this is a very recent. Well, picture. I was gonna say he looks like an old baseball glove. Actually, this is 2009. Well, that's like what old Italian men look whoa, like. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Do I need to cut that out? Yeah, nah, leave it in, man. <laughs> Because they know it's true. That's the thing. You know, they're all smoking their whole life, and they don't care. You know, they drink every day. It's not a statement about the Italians. Just, I mean, really, you know. Oh boy, you're We've just digging. Seen, you're, you're digging a deeper hole. Let's move on. I know. So yeah, I, I ultimately, as far as a um, a lawsuit goes, or any sort of change to the World Drivers Championship. Don't think that happens. But it's so interesting to think that this could have happened in Formula One. And I I love to think about how that reaction would have been, especially now. Because, I mean, you know, 2008, Twitter wasn't a thing. It might have been a thing, but it wasn't a... It was maybe very new. I'm yeah, trying it to was think. very thing. I'm it trying might to have just, like, been launched, I think. Well, I don't even know that I was... Well, I know Twitter didn't even have its own app at that I point. I think I was on MySpace in 2009. No. No. Yeah. MySpace well, like, was still a thing in 2008. It might have been, but like I'm thinking the first time I went to Daytona, I think, was in 2008. My brother made me download Twitter, but I had to download like a different app to access Twitter. So I think, I think Twitter was around, but it wasn't. Probably. Yeah, but it wasn't like what Twitter is now. No, it's not what it is now. Yeah, now. and Facebook was still, you know, cool. In 2008. You know, like my parents weren't on there. So Twitter was formed in March 2006. Wow. So, yeah, it was around. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it really wasn't its thing. It, yeah. It really didn't take off until, like, it looks like here, like the 20, 2010, 2011. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I remember, I remember like, 2010 and especially the 2011 World Series. Like, that year, like, that sort of fall was when I started really, like, paying attention to Twitter. But anyway, so yeah, yes, if anyway. that would happen now with like modern day technology and like you look at all these, I mean, I don't want to take a dark turn here, but like you look at all these old like murder, unsolved murder mm -hmm. ca cases or like those serial killers with like today's technology. I mean, hell, what which famous uh, serial killer was just solved with the 23andMe that somebody like submitted theirs and they were an ancestor of the killer and they pieced it together. So like shit like that happens now with all this 
crazy technology we have that we didn't have, you know, 15 years ago. Right. That was a Golden State killer, by the way. It was crazy. Golden State killer, yes. It was a crazy story. That was a wild story, but that it was solved by 23andMe. Yeah. It was one of those. What Basically, the... Um, they use well. I need to go into. We it, don't need to get yeah, into it. No, but yeah, they used a, they used something like that where they reverse looked it up and they followed. They had a they had a suspect and yeah and yeah and, and cases are being solved like that all over the place. It's 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 crazy. Also, people just like digging into old cases that went unsolved and like just based off information and now with the technology they can link it all together and they're going and interviewing people and they're able to piece things together they couldn't have done in the past. Right. Well, what's crazy with the Golden State Killers? So they it did they searched backwards basically they got a sample of dna that they had and that they had had from you know his cases in the 80s or 70s or 80s and they searched that and they came up with a match and i feel like the match was like in australia so yeah i mean it's it's yeah it's, we're not it's gonna nuts. get into no that. No, no no we can go i mean yeah I that's think a whole there's thing. a podcast my wife listens to it's my favorite murder I think they cover yep. it in great detail, and they're there's actually a, really good if you like those yeah, like there's, mysteries. There's a great book about that that Patton Oswalt's uh, Well, that's a cool did. story because his wife passed away, and he yep. finished the book for her. Yeah. That's a cool story. But well, we, we are getting way off track We are here. so far off track that I have no uh, no idea so how we got in here. Circling back to Crashgate, any, anything else that I feel like I interrupted you and now? No. We... No, no, no. We're good. No, um, You know, no. It was, it was, that was pretty much it. I, I just It was one of those stories, like I said, that I kind of – want to tell older like as we get breaks in the season i think i'm gonna throw in some old formula one stories and like you know maybe one year we can go into sort of like the james hunt nikki lauda season you know just talk about like that'd be a fun i mean we've yeah, all seen that'd be rush, fun, but I, yeah but there's a lot more to that that i oh, think yeah. rush doesn't cover and you know talk about the stuff that nikki lauda went through or no, I don't know. I mean, maybe even talk about that 2007 Brazilian Grand Prix. We've got three world, you know, drivers champions, champions coming in, or three drivers going for the drivers championship. In 2008, same thing. You had two guys going with Hamilton and, and Massa, who could have won the championship. It's definitely a possibility. But let's uh, let's let's just close it up here. Any any final thoughts on Crashgate? Nope. Okay, that would be it. All right. Well, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, that we finally have racing back after a long hiatus. Mm -hmm. So we are at the uh, Baku-Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Uh, So this is the first sprint race of the 2023 season, but this is a new format this year. So the sprint race will be 17 laps and basically high level. And Koi, I'll let you elaborate if you want. But if you screw up during the sprint race now, it does not impact your grid position on the Grand Prix on Sunday. So we have a qualifying uh, on Friday for the race, for the Grand Prix on Sunday. Yep. Saturday, we have a sprint shootout, which is an accelerated version of qualifying that determines the grid position for the sprint race. Then later Saturday, we have the sprint race, which is to award points, but has no outcome on the actual race. And then Sunday, we have the Grand Prix. Right. So we basically have too many ways. That was was very well explained. You did a fantastic job there. You You did a great job with that. It was... Um, it, so yeah, there's basically like two, there's like a mini Grand Prix on Saturday that has no effect whatsoever on where you start in the Grand Prix on Sunday. And you know, so the, like I said, the sprint race is a 17 lap race. And what is the Grand Prix? Is it 55? Uh, I feel like it's 51. 51. That's probably right. But I'll I'll check with that. But yeah, I, I think it's 51. 
So the other thing about the new rules is that on the shootout, the the sprint shootout, all teams must use new tires. So it's yeah. a little added change to it. Um, I don't know. They're, they're trying to make Formula One a little bit more exciting with this. You and I kind of talked about off off recording here that basically we think the sprint race is going to give extra points to Red Bull. Possibly. I think under a fair and competitive teams, when there's multiple teams and multiple drivers competing, this is a great idea. Had this been happening back in like two, mid-2000s, great idea. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Now in the past, what is it, nine years now that we've had one or two teams dominate, maybe it's a little too late, but I can see that they're trying to make the effort to make something a little bit better. Yeah, honestly, it's more than that. It's, I mean, you could go back to 2000 and... I mean, if you if you count... Well, I was just thinking seven, no, I just, seven or six yeah. world championships in a row from well, Hamilton ca- plus yeah. two, so that's eight. And if you count Braun GP, who eventually got bought out by... Um, Mercedes, they became Mercedes. Braun GP with Jensen, and from then on, it's just been, it was Red Bull four times, Mercedes seven times, Red Bull twice. So we're looking so at 13 years. Really, you're looking at two teams, yeah. Over 13, 13 years. years. So. so, yeah, um, I totally agree there. I think the, the sprint race is a cool concept. I maybe would like to see it more, you know, maybe do a reverse grid based on points as opposed to having qualifying for it. I don't really, I, I don't really see a point in qualifying for it other than it can. I mean, you, the, and I know the, a lot of a lot of the drivers are pretty upset about it because every time you go out there, you have a chance of messing up your car. And there's also added wear and tear in your car right. too on your right. power units. So you go out there Saturday for the sprint race, and you might. You know, I'm, I'm just who knows. I mean, you might get a guy dive on the inside of you, and you've suddenly messed up your entire car for so, Sunday, and so now maybe, your race is ruined. Maybe what Formula One's thinking is that, like, okay, our dominant drivers like Red Bull, they're going to take it easy in the sprint race, and like, and and you brought up the points, so let me cover this first: is mm-hmm. that uh, first place in the sprint race gets eight points, and then it descends after that down to one. So the top eight yeah. get points. So maybe Red Bull might think, all right, so we don't jeopardize our car for Sunday, and this has no impact on how we start on the grid, we'll take it easy, not damage the car, let somebody have the eight points, we'll pick up four and five points, we'll call it a day, and we'll make it up in the other races, I mean. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible they'll do that. I mean, I I don't think, because this is a brand new thing, we don't know how teams are going to treat it. I I just, yeah, I like, I can see a point maybe of doing something like this if you're going to have it determine grid order. You know, I kind of like some of the sprints from the previous years where they'd have them start reverse order, and then just go that way. That well, was kind of fun. The Formula 2 does a sprint race, and I like how they do it. And basic, basically, they run the Grand Prix first. And who, whoever wins the race starts at 8th, is it? Yeah, I think so. And then it's a battle for more points. So mm-hmm. I actually like that better, to where it has no impact on the starting grid. And then you turn around and you run the sprint race afterwards, and it's for like an additional points grab. But if you won, you got to start middle toward the back of the pack. Right. And you give that guy that finished eighth a shot at grabbing seven more points over potentially the guy who finished eighth. Right. And that can really make a big difference if you have a close race. So I like the way Formula 2 does it. Oh, for sure. And that's something that, you know, if we're, if we're going to look at, and that's the other thing that, you know, since... We, we were talking about Crashgate. That was Bernie Ecclestone. That was a different Formula One. Now we're into the Liberty Media Formula One. And we saw in Australia that they will try to manufacture 
they'll let the cautioned breed cautions. Oh boy. You know, yellow flag, red flag. Let's get a let's get one last extra overtime. Because they want to try to bring it back together. Yeah. Because they want they want drama and they want action. And I wonder if there'll be. I I feel like there's going to be a lot of complaining about this this weekend. I also don't think Baku is a great place to do no, it. No, I think it's terrible. It's such a tight circuit yeah. and. The only thing about Baku is you get that long straight and you can pass down into turn one and maybe turn three. It's, but I don't know. It's not a great race to do sprint races. I don't know why they picked this one. Yeah, I really don't know. I think either. there's better tracks that they could they could do or bring back that are Bahrain. Do Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah. Bahrain would, yeah. I mean, high tire wear, so you're going to see something go on there. I mean, yeah. Do it at Bahrain. If you're going to do it at one of them, do it there. You know, Jeddah wouldn't have been good. Australia wouldn't have been good. No. Yeah, I would say, I mean, the only thing, again, is that long straight. And that's really the only redeeming factor of Baku is the fact that they have that crazy long straight. Because that allows for a, a DRS, a really big DRS zone at the end of it, which leads to some passing into turn one. Turn one and turn three are the like really good passing opportunities. Baku's a fun circuit, but and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, I, I just, I would, I would like to see it a different track. So I was going to say, are they doing Silverstone, the sprint race again this year? Cause they did it last year, correct? Yes. Okay. Cause I was going to say that seems like a good track for it. Silverstone but... is a good track for it. Aust- Austria is a good track for it. The Red Bull ring. And I think they're doing one there this year. Monza is a good one. Monza is where they, they did one last year. I don't know if they, I, I haven't yeah. honestly I haven't looked ahead to know where they're doing the I, races. I think they're doing six of them, if I'm not mistaken, this year. We talked about it earlier this but season. Didn't but. they retain last year they did Silverstone, Monza, and Interlagos, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh they're doing spa this year. I think there's a sprint race at spa this year. That could be interesting. Yeah, but it's such a long trip. I mean, there's a lot of passing opportunities, but And that's probably why they're gonna do it. Yeah. But anyway, getting into the, the Sunday Grand Prix, and I'll circle back. Coy's looking this up right now. But in 2022, we saw Max Verstappen win the race with Sergio Perez in second. George Russell and Lewis Hamilton followed in third and fourth. Uh, so it was a Red Bull dominate, dominated race. I got to be honest, I kind of expect the same this year as Red Bull 1 and 2. Yeah. I could see 3 and 4 being Mercedes this year, maybe mixing a Fernando Alonso in fourth, third, breaking that up somewhere i just what do you think it'll be interesting because i think um you know we've had so much time off between australia and here that you're gonna see some teams make upgrades i kind of feel like you're gonna see mercedes make the jump and maybe get on terms with aston martin is kind of where well, we kind of saw that last kind race. of my yeah, exactly and i kind of feel like it, you know it'll this practice and the sprint race will tell a lot, but I kind of feel like this might be where we see, and maybe if not, maybe if they're not on terms, then maybe they're going to be right there level with them would kind of be my, and, and my by, guess. And by Aston Martin, you mean Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Not Lance yeah, really, Stroll. Yeah, definitely right. not Lance Stroll. Um, by the way, just as an aside, the sprint races this year are at Baku, Austria, Spa, Lucille, which is Qatar, uh, U.S. at Coda. Hey. And Sao Paulo, Interlagos, like you. Oh, so they're not doing Silverstone. No, they're not doing oh, okay. Silverstone. Yeah, but they did do Silverstone last year, yeah. though, right? They did last year, I but thought, they, yeah, they replaced it. They replaced it with um, Spa because they've never done one at Spa, right? Yeah, yeah, and I guess Qatar is. I don't remember if they did one at Qatar. Either. I mean, definitely they've never done it at Coda, have they? 
No. No. So. Oh. All right. Yeah. Uh, what do you, you want to get into betting next, or you want to get into uh, bold predictions, or is there anything you want to talk about with the race? Um, not really with the race. We've kind of covered it in that. You know, I mean, just just I I like to talk about the circuits and the fact. Oh that, yeah, go. Let's yeah, go with it. Is there anything that, I missed? We talked about that straight. No. We kind of talked about it's tight. It's, yeah, it's a street 20, circuit. Twenty turns. It's got two DRS zones. One long one coming down the straight leading into turn one. Another long one coming down the straight leading into turn three. Um. It's it's a it's kind of an interesting circuit because there's some it's a street circuit and there's some slow, tight spaces sort of like Monaco, and then you've got some really wide open, really fast spaces too, or fast portions of the track. You've got some high speed turns. It's a it's a fun track, like just as as if you're if you're one of like a track nerd who likes to you know, look at oh you got you know high speed corners here that out. The racing's fairly decent. There's usually quite a few big incidents. Uh, a few years ago, you had uh, Danny Rick go right into the back of Max Verstappen. I oh, think it yeah. was that was in uh, that was in the first season of Drive to Survive. Yeah, so it would have been 20, yeah, 2018, 2019, yeah. somewhere around in there. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that that was a uh, and you had the Ferraris really screwing up there too a couple years ago. But yeah, I mean, there's always that first. Anytime you have a straight that long, that puts the engine at those high, that higher revs for that long, that could create problems, which you know always could lead to more exciting racing. Okay. Predictions for the race. We're not doing our bull predictions. I already kind of said I think it's going to be the Red Bulls and the Mercedes, but I'm going to go Max, Sergio, Lewis, Fernando, Russell. Yeah, I mean that's literally. I mean, I, I literally have written down here Max Checo Lewis. I, you know, I'll tell you, I'll go different. I'll go Max Checo Russell. Okay. And then Lewis, <laughs> or maybe then then Nando. I, you know, I mean, maybe who knows? Or Fernando. I would. I would love to see. I mean, and I would love to see McLaren actually. You know, what's the old picture of the guy poking the thing with a stick says do something? Yeah. Like I'd love to see that. Um, yeah. and maybe maybe we will see it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think uh I think Fernando probably is up there. I I kind of feel like you're gonna see the two the two Red Bulls in whatever order, and then you're gonna see um I, I would say a Mercedes, like you just said. I think it's gonna be a Mercedes finishing it in third. And you might see Fernando up there right right along with him i don't feel like i don't know i it will, will be really interesting to see who made the biggest jump three weeks is a lot of time to be able to do things to a car to it's a huge things. amount of time yeah. and my guess is the team that's going to make the biggest jump i really do i am expecting mclaren the more i talk yeah. the more we do this podcast it, it seems like i'm such a mclaren homer but like i think it's just because i expect much more out of them For and sure. while ferrari has like I feel like Ferrari's done very good through qualifying, and then when it comes to race day, they can't put it together. But McLaren has just done poor the whole way, and they right. had they had a pretty good season last year. So I'm expecting them to make the biggest jump. Right, and they had a really good race in Australia. They had, but you know, both guys finishing in the points. Yeah, you know. But I guess when you've had that bad of a start, it's not hard to make the biggest jump. Exactly. Yeah, when you start at the bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. So, <laughs> you know, I would like to see them make a jump back up too see what happens i don't know you know it it's just going to be i think this is going to be and we're we're getting into a section of the season too where it's going to start coming pretty fast and furious I'd, I'd also like to see botas make a big jump he had a really good first race i think he did and then he really fell off after that and i think him and Zhao are good drivers and i'd love to see that alfa romeo car make a, 
a bigger jump than they've have for the past two than they than they have for the past two races. Yeah, yeah, because we're coming into our first our first back to back weekend here. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Because we've got Baku this weekend and then Miami the next weekend. So this is so if if teams are going to make any sort of jump, it's going to be it's going to be this weekend. I'd like to see that, but yeah. Um, so where do you want to go next? You want to go bold predictions? You want to go betting stuff? We're let's do let's do bold predictions. We're doing predictions. Let's go All bold right. predictions. You hit it first. What do you got? Uh, my bold prediction is that well, and this kind of segues into my betting. But my bold prediction is that we see a mid pack driver set the fastest lap. I don't think the top of the grid is going to set the fastest lap. We're going to see somebody around the 7th to 10th position set the fastest lap on the weekend. I have my bold prediction will show you how I've really tempered my expectations <laughs> for Ferrari. Got, I was going to say, it's got to be a Ferrari one. Uh, Ferrari will have both cars finish the race. Oh, damn. You're really going out on a limb there. I know. You know, I looked back like at my little, predictions. It was a, like, oh, I'm going to have, I got Max, and then I get Charles. And then I got maybe Checo, and it's like, okay, well, maybe I got Max and Checo, but I think Charles is going to be there, and and now I'm just like, no, just finish a race. I like how your your bold prediction is like a very sarcastic, heavy take, but yeah. it's also got a lot of truth to it. Yeah. It, uh, well, it was, I mean, what was uh, my prediction with the uh, Aussie GP was that the McLarens would both finish in the yep. points. I was like, yep. I actually got one right. You got it, you got it, you got it dead on, man. Yeah, I think... Uh, Basically, I mean, Ferrari's got, you know, they've got to sort of get it together at some point. They're, and, and again, I know that they're, I don't remember, you know, who's bringing big upgrades and stuff. I know that you'll see as many upgrades as possible this week, but yeah, I think they'll bring something. We'll see. Agreed. All right. Well, let me get into the betting real quick. And again, I'm going to do my spiel that we always do. Betting the winner of Formula One right now is just not smart money. Um, Max Verstappen is the overwhelming favorite. He's a minus 230. And I get all my odds from FanDuel. I try to be consistent. So Max is a minus 230. Uh, Checo's a plus 490. Alonzo's a plus 1200. Hamilton's a plus 1400. And Leclerc's a plus 2500. Uh, now on the sprint race, thought, you know, hey, maybe this will add a little bit to the betting. Now it's pretty much the same thing. You got Max at a minus 270. Checo at a 400. Alonzo at a 1200. Uh, Hamilton at a plus 1800. So. It's really not smart money to pick the winners. Where I do like is the prop bets, and we said that we weren't going to really get into those, but I feel like with Formula One we have to because that's where like the fun betting would actually be. Um, so the two the two prop bets that I had that I would say go for is fastest lap. You can get a lot of good odds betting like a mid pack driver. Like that one week we saw Zhao get it, yeah. and I think he was like a plus twenty two hundred to get it. So that's one where if you're just taking a shot in the dark. Think about who's going to be a mid-pack who's got a quick car. Maybe throw, like, Pierre Gasly on there or something. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's one. And then the other one I'm, I'm going to go into Pierre Gasly is betting it for a top-six finish. I like Pierre Gasly at a plus 410 or even a McLaren car at Lando Norris at plus 650 or Oscar Piastri is a plus 2200 to finish in the top six. Yeah, there's so, attrition here. I, I, that, that might not be a bad play. Right. Yeah. The, the McLarens had a good finish in Australia, and it's, I mean – Oscar wasn't that far off of finishing sixth. I mean, right. I mean, he wasn't close, but like right. with the upgrades, he might shock some people. It's a good little, good little wager there. It's true. Plus 2,200. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, this, this track is so tight that it definitely, you know, you, you get attrition. Yeah. It's tight and you'll get, you know, the high revs and, and you'll get engine failures and you get things like that and just things happen. So 
Yeah, you could see any number of things. I mean, who knows? But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I like. Uh, I like. Uh, you, was your bold prediction that Botas, or was it just a mid? No, it was just mid a mid-pack pack. Team? I didn't actually name one. I think Botas. Botas has experience here driving from you know from Mercedes. We've I, seen that yeah. that Alfa Romeo car can produce the fastest right. lap. We talked about that, so that's not a bad. I didn't look up his odds, but that's not a bad bet. Well, and two, you know, I mean, you might get. You know, the only thing is I think that when this is a track that to me that I think Max could get out to a really big lead if they, you know, get the engines going and they, the Red Bulls especially, could get out to a big lead and Max knows that that fastest lap is worth an extra point and I could see him hitting that. Honestly, I could see Max hitting the trifecta here. Yeah. And almost, so what is it, the... What do they well, call hey, it? The... Botas is a plus ten thousand for the fastest lap. Really? And uh, like you got uh, this is again on FanDuel. You got Sonoda, Sargent, Ocon, Botas, uh, Piastri, uh, Gasly, K Mag, Zhao, Zhao at a plus ten thousand. Albon, Hulkenberg, Nick DeVries, Norris. Shit, there's like half the field is a plus ten thousand the fastest lap. So <laughs> throw some money on one of those guys, and they right. might surprise you. Right, man. I mean, yeah, especially with Joe got it the first season or the first race of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at Max is a minus 130 on the fastest lap, but even like you got Perez at a plus 250. That's not a bad bet. You've seen him battle with it with uh, Max. He's in ideally the same car. Right. You know, he can get it. I mean, yeah, you know, he can get it. The only thing I think, the only thing I wonder is if they get so far ahead at this track that they, you know, start shooting for that and they get to a point where like the last couple laps you know i mean i don't think they're gonna pit and put on softs to go out and do it but like we saw at uh at australia was it australia or jetta where they were battling for the fastest lap like right at the end of the race yeah and but the other thing too is that it's almost like what i kind of thought about with the sprint races maybe the towards you know the end of the race they're like let's not damage it forget about the extra point you get or whatever for the fastest lap like just finish the race one and right. two and let's take the take the points and move on and let right. dominate another day yeah it's possible i mean yeah I, i'm just hoping that we don't see you know something where max goes out and leads every lap and you know wins a pole wins leads every lap wins the fastest lap but i kind of i kind of think that's what's going to happen here so do i you know, which, what do they call that? The golden crown or the, they, I, there's a name for that. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> if he's getting it, I don't care. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, in, any other thoughts, comments, things you wanted to chat about on the race this weekend? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, I, I, I appreciate going into, uh, Going into uh, Crashgate with me, that was fun. Crashgate was fun, and I'm glad you did the research, and now I'm glad that we got it out of the way so I can actually go read some articles. And I, I have like I have like six bookmarked that I want to read that have like been like the modern impacts of Crashgate, and I've been holding off because Koi's like, I don't want to spoil it for you or anything yeah. like that. He wanted to see get get a more live reaction, which I'm well, glad. right. Yeah, and, uh, I am too, because so, I, th- I thought it was fun. Uh, they call it the Grand Slam, by the way. Lead every lap, pole. Freaking baseball game? Yeah. Lead every lap, get the pole, and get the fastest lap. They call it a grand slam. All right. Obnoxious. Because uh, you're going to see a lot of those at a rebel. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm glad we got to uh, to discuss that. I'm looking forward to maybe doing a little bit of deep dive into some cool stuff from history in the future with that. Absolutely. 
And I'm just glad the racing's back. It's been a Me little too. bit of a drought, and I'm and I'm glad it's back. Me too. This weekend it'll be well, it'll be a little bit of a challenge watching the coverage this weekend, but we'll make it work. We'll make it happen. We won't let you guys down, and we'll be back uh, next week to to do another epi, another epi. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.